Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Comics, motherfucker! Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your gas mask hosts tonight, this evening, but I am not alone. I am joined by two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out? And let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike. Sleep tight. And this is Justin. Don't let the bed bugs bite. So we are here to discuss. And then this is the, let's see. This is the 30th anniversary, right? Yes. Okay. We're here to discuss the 30th anniversary of Sandman Mystery Theater. And what we decided to do was to cover the first arc of Sandman Mystery Theater, which is the first four issues of the Vertigo title. And that covers the storyline titled The Tarantula. And of course, when Sandman Mystery Theater, the comic, was released, it was released. The cover date was April 1993, and then number four goes all the way up to July 1993. But the on-sale date, the actual date, was February 9th, 1993, all the way to May 11th, 1993. The cover price was a whopping $1.95. The cover credits go to artist Gavin Wilson, while the writer is Matt Wagner, Artist is Guy Davis, letterer John Costanza, colorist David Homung, editor Karen Berger. And no, unfortunately, I don't have a quick synopsis like Sandman punches shit and we can all go home. So I'm going to get into that and then we're going to actually uh, discuss uh, what we think of this and and, you know, talk about the first four issues. But here we go. Part one. Diane Belmont argues with her father, District Attorney Larry Belmont, about going out to a nightclub in Harlem. As she pecks him on the cheek goodbye and gets in her taxi cab, Larry discovers a man in a fedora, gas mask, and trench coat going through his security box. D.A. Belmont is shot with the man's gas gun and is left asleep on his evening chair. Diane has a grand old time and stays out all night long with her friends. When she heads home in her taxi cab the next morning, she's joined by her gal pal, Catherine, who is the first to disembark from the shared ride. As Diane rides off in the cab, an assailant sneaks up behind Catherine and abducts her. The following evening, father and daughter attend a charity event benefiting the local library. An old friend of Larry's, Judge Thomas Schaefer, introduces them to one Wesley Dodds, and there is a bit of a spark between Dodds and Diane. The party is interrupted once D.A. Belmont is notified of Catherine's abduction. When Judge Schaefer gives Dodds a ride home, he tells him of the kidnapping by someone calling themselves the Tarantula. As D.A. Belmont breaks the news to his daughter, Diane, of Catherine's kidnapping, Dodds prepares his gas gun and suits up as the Sandman. The Sandman spies on a meeting between mobster Albert Goldman and some Hollywood bigwigs, Lenny Green and Moses Berman. They run into Goldman's daughter, Celia, and son, Roger. 
Once the deal for Goldman to finance their films has been agreed upon, they also meet Goldman's pale white and inebriated wife, Miriam. As the Hollywood types head for their car, they find their driver has been put to sleep. As Diane and D.A. Belmont argue about her decision to go out for the evening with the tarantula on the prowl, Wesley Dodds arrives, taking up D.A. Belmont on his invitation to visit from the earlier engagement. Just then, D.A. Belmont is notified that the tarantula has claimed another victim. A body of a young woman is discovered, and Belmont, Diane, and Judge Schaefer all converge upon the police precinct. When an officer spills some coffee on Diane, she bolts for the ladies' room only to come upon the Sandman. Part 2. The Sandman knocks the flashlight from Diane's hand and knocks her to the ground, giving him opportunity to flee. Exasperated, she leaves the bathroom to look for her father, who tells her that a body has been found and she faints. Diane believes the Sandman to be the tarantula and wants to help identify the body as Catherine's if that is indeed who it belongs to. It's tough going, but Diane is sure that the ravaged body the police found does not belong to her friend. Elsewhere, in what looks to be an underground sewer or basement, we see the tarantula has Catherine handcuffed and chained to some pipes overhead. The tarantula is torturing Catherine for information about a tryst she had with an as-of-yet undisclosed but certainly important man. The tarantula finally leaves her but tosses in the severed hand of the now-dead girl who was once chained up alongside Catherine. In the aftermath of that horror, upstairs, the masked man who kidnapped Catherine appears to be visibly shaken that their attempts to interrogate her aren't working and takes a drink. A woman from behind a veil appears to be the real one in charge and has some intimate connection to the important man with the important information. Dodds meets Diane and Judge Schaefer and offers to escort them both home. Dodds has a moment of sadness and frustration that is revealed to Diane on the ride home. The next day, Celia Goldman bids her farewells to her male escort, Carlo, and her father, Albert Goldman, chastises her for bringing gigolos to the house. Celia diffuses the argument by whispering in her father's ear in an electra-complex sort of manner as her brother Roger looks on. At the family dinner, Roger is drinking and the mother, Miriam, is already passed out at the dinner table. Diana receives a letter from Wesley Dodds that evening apologizing for his concerns over a now-dead stranger when her friend Catherine is still alive and kidnapped. Dodds offers words of comfort and encouragement and offers to be there should she ever need to call on him. With the detectives on the way to question the taxicab driver, the Sandman knocks out Detective Burke and interrogates Charlie Malloy, the cab driver, leaving only a bit of origami behind as a call sign. The next day, Dodds and Diane have dinner at the Algonquin. In addition to the note the Sandman left behind for the detectives, they learn that the milk truck the cabbie mentioned was an evergreen milk truck, which is a company that has been long out of business. They plan to check out the old evergreen warehouse next back in the underground prison Catherine wakes to see the tarantula who has kidnapped yet another woman that he plans to torture and kill right in front of her all over again part three Detective Burt kicks in the door at the old evergreen warehouse, but the Sandman is already on the scene and gasses him for a second time. Diane surprises Dodds with a late-night call just as he's coming through the front door from his excursions as the Sandman. The tarantula has killed the other kidnapped victim as the woman in the veil yells that she will not leave this unfinished. Elsewhere, Albert Goldman is leaving ownership of the earlier Hollywood deal to his daughter Celia and reveals in a phone call that he is the important man that Catherine had been seeing for funsies. The Sandman is now after a financial lawyer involved with the case that had his name changed. He gasses the man and his pit bull when he lies to him about the true owner of the Evergreen Warehouse. Detective Burke is still just one step behind the Sandman and finds the man sleeping on the floor. When the police locate the body of the second victim, Catherine decides to snoop around in her father's safe. The Sandman is trying to locate the true owner of the Evergreen Warehouse by checking the bankruptcy records at the federal courthouse. 
Diane then pays Wesley Dodds another impromptu visit, and they trade notes on the case. Celia fucks her father while Roger watches through a peephole and tells his mother. Detective Burke beats the truth out of the financial lawyer that mobster Albert Goldman is the true owner of the Evergreen Warehouse. The next morning, Diane and Wesley are both independently alerted by their father and butler, respectively, that the tarantula has struck again. This time, the victim has been identified as Celia Goldman, daughter of the notorious gangster Albert Goldman. Dun, dun, dun. Part four, final part. The detectives question the Goldman family as the Sandman stalks the Goldman compounds. Despite the family's protestations, Detective Burke knows that they were involved long before Celia went missing. The cops have a car chase with the Sandman, but he eludes them with some spy hunter-esque shenanigans. The Sandman interrogates Albert Goldman's former bootlegging accountant, Myron Fields, to find out why the son, Roger Goldman's name, is on as the owner of the Evergreen Warehouse. It was punishment for failing to report his losses to the IRS. Turns out Roger got kicked out of private schools for attacking a woman and killing a teacher's dog in his early years. The Sandman next meets in secret with D.A. Belmont to advise him to look into Roger Goldman. Roger pulls a gun on his father while his back is turned, but ultimately does not shoot Albert Goldman. Diane tells Detective Burke she needs to get into the federal courthouse to figure out where the kidnapped victims are being held. Meanwhile, D.A. Belmont and the police go back to the Goldman estate to pick up Roger, but only find his father. Even Albert Goldman is shocked to discover a dummy in his wife Miriam's bed. The veiled woman is now whipping Celia Goldman with a chain. She is about to take an axe to Catherine when the Sandman arrives on the scene. The veiled woman attacks the Sandman with her axe, and the Sandman empties his gas gun on his attacker. The veiled woman is ultimately unmasked as Miriam Goldman. Then the tarantula walks in holding a gun on the Sandman. The Sandman knows the tarantula to be Roger Goldman, who conveniently electrocutes himself. Miriam Goldman then takes one last swing at the Sandman with her axe, and the Sandman takes away the axe and clobbers her with the handle. Diane and Detective Burke soon arrive to recover Catherine and Celia with only a note left by the Sandman to speak of his presence. That Sunday evening, Judge Schaefer, D.A. Belmont, Diane, and Wesley Dodds all go out for dinner and review the motives of the entire affair. Albert Goldman molested his daughter Celia for years, and she turned the tables on him, having her father leave all of his worldly possessions to her. Meanwhile, Roger and Miriam wanted revenge for being left out of the will. Wesley Dodds then leaves the others, saying goodbye to Diane for a good night's sleep. The end. And that is the first arc of Sandman Mystery Theater entitled The Tarantula. So, yeah. So, so I guess this is the part where I ask, have you guys read this before? And what did you think of it? I have. Nope. Never. I mean, well, like, I, I, I haven't read any Sandman before. Like, you know, whatever. Like, I feel like he's a character I have a blind spot for. Like, I knew I knew Wesley Dodds was the name of the, like, original. Like, he's that, that's the original Sandman, right? Like, yeah, the Golden the, Age. The Golden one, Age yeah. Sandman, yeah. Yeah, and so I knew that much. And, you know, he, he whenever the JSA shows up and stuff, like, usually they have him as a member or in the background or something. So I, I know what he looked like and stuff. But uh, I, n I never really knew anything about him other than he was, like, some kind of, you know, pulpy kind of hero. Like, you know, like most of the, you know, the the, the characters of that era but like no i i really enjoyed this though it was a it was a cool mystery it, the art was really atmospheric and really suited it like yeah like i had a lot of fun reading this how about you justin i liked it now <laughs> you you said you had read this before right yeah it's been a long time though did you guys ever like have trouble finding like certain books in your area like even like at a mm -hmm. comic shop like this is one of those books like i knew this book existed i was really interested in it because you guys know me like i i really like golden age heroes i like true crime or film noir this is all those things rolling into one i was like this seems like a really great book for me and i just had a lot of 
hard time finding any issues anywhere. I think I got these first four issues at a con in Knoxville, probably in 2000 or 2001. And then after that, my reading was pretty spotty. Like I've never read all 70 issues of the series. Like I've, I think I got like somewhere in the 20s maybe. And that was reading like the floppies and stuff. But yeah, this just this just seemed like one of those books that was for whatever reason was not readily available in my area. But I, you know, it's definitely something that's up my alley. And I had a lot of fun revisiting this because I was sitting there reading it and I was like, okay, I know, I know this, I read it. And then I was sitting there going, well, wait, who is the tarantula? And I was trying to figure it out. I was like, oh, wait, it's not one person. It's two people. It's like, it's like a mother and son kind of like, you know, wacky doodle thing. And I was like, I'm right, aren't I? I'm right, aren't I? And I kind of like kept questioning myself. Like that's, it's been not long since I read this that I kind of like forgot like a lot of what was going on in this. And kind of like Mike said, like I really like the art. The art totally suits this book completely. I like Guy Davis's artwork. He did a lot of like Hellboy. Yeah, the, the art. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of those miniseries and I like devoured a whole bunch of those. I was like, hey, like I... I like Hellboy. I like all these miniseries. And I was like, oh, this is the guy from Sam and Mystery Theater. Like, this is great. Like, this, this is like, a, you know, if Sam and Mystery Theater is like the hard-edged, like, golden age kind of thing, like, BPRD is kind of like the 40s to 50s, like, yeah, yeah. monster horror thing. It's like a step further than Sam and Mystery Theater. But, um, yeah, like, I really like this series. And I was like, when you mentioned this, when you were like, hey, this has an anniversary, I was like, yes, let's talk about this. Because yeah, this yeah. is one of those books, like, I don't I don't get to talk about a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've said this, but I'll just repeatedly say it, you know, like when in, in this book's heyday, this was icky vertigo shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like in the book's heyday, right? Like, this was not something that I thought was advertised to me. And, and, and I, I, I was not part of the whole zeitgeist. Like I wasn't, you know, I I, I understand it historically, even though I lived through it, if that makes sense. Like I understand that, that Neil Gaiman's Sandman was really popular, that, that they, they tie, you know, Morpheus, you know, ever so slightly to Wesley Dodds, the golden age Sandman. And because of that tie, because of the popularity of game and sandman you know they they started this series as well and i feel like i want to say when that shitastic green hornet movie came out and i was reading uh, a shit ton of green hornet comics i really liked matt wagner's green hornet mm. and i think because of that i was like oh you know i know he's done this before and then and then that got me to read sandman mystery theater so i mean for me this is a you know relatively speaking right it's it's a it's a fairly recent read for me like within the last maybe you know 10 or 11 years or something like that right but and and kind of like you i feel like we're the same justin like like this is one of those books where you feel like oh it it, it is it is renowned like people talk about it like i i've never heard anybody talk about this and be like oh that was a fucking piece of crap like most people that have read it say oh yeah that's that's really good like you should check it out and this and that and and similar to yourself i mean i don't know if it's the 20s like honestly i've lost track like like i i was reading this and i know like you i did not read all 70 issues do you know what i mean like like i feel like i think i i know i i, I have memories of like reading the 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 special you know where he he meets up with uh you know morpheus and they do an extension on that little sequence you know in in the original sandman or whatever like i remember that and i remember reading certain arcs and everything you know where i was like oh i kept up with this for a while but i i think i too you know uh, you know just never you know finished the entirety of the story I was looking at it like from a historical perspective and I was trying to think of like a way to explain it to someone. And the only way I can explain it and it'll make sense to Mike because I'm going to use like Marvel terminology or whatever. So I don't know if it'll make sense to everybody, but I kind of feel like this is like 
This is like if they said Ultimate Spider-Man was a prequel, but then they're like, the Hulk Green Goblin is not to be confused with the later Green Goblin that shows up in Amazing Spider-Man 14. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, and I, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, but it's like it, it, it has those aspects where they kind of, you know, they, they tone down the the colorful nature of the Golden Age character. They played up his intelligence and maybe nebbishness or whatever, you know, like his look was changed, at least as Wesley Dodds. Like if you if you look at like the, you know, kind of what Mike was saying, he was a pulp noir kind of character. Like if you look at the early Golden Age stories, I mean, he might as well be Lamont Cranston or Bruce Wayne or any other kind of, you know, dark haired, good looking, you know, wealthy playboy who goes and fights crime at night. Whereas I think in this, they, they certainly, I, I guess I was thinking about it. Like, then, uh, you know, this is just me. It's going to be crude. Right. But I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, you know how they say like in, in porn, right? Like there's, there, there's the type where you, you see a porn star and she's a complete knockout and everybody goes gaga over this knockout porn star or whatever it is, right? But then there's these weird catered things where dudes are like, I'm not good enough for that that 10 babe or whatever. It's like, it's like I need porn where the, the girl's like a four because I think I can get her. Like, and like, uh, you know, I think I could land that girl. So, so, so this porn is more believable to my fantasy life than, than, than this, this 10 girl who, who would be totally out of my reach or whatever that, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm using that to illustrate a point. And the point is this, I feel like the golden age Sandman, Wesley Dodds is like the 10 porn star and like the, the the Sandman mystery theater version, whether it's to be more, you know, tempered, like where it's like we're, we're getting rid of some of the colorful apparel. He's not really wearing a purple cape anymore. You know, it's a trench coat like they're they're trying to add those layers of less super heroics and more, you know, semi, you know, quote unquote realism to it. But then also just in the the sort of secret identity, it's like it's like he's not your average, you know, it's not like Diane falls in love with him because he's this, you know, square jawed, you know, six pack ab, you know, uh, he man type of, of guy. It's like, and, and, and that's where that whole analogy comes into it because it, it is still at its core, somewhat of a pulp, somewhat of a superhero thing and if you're if you're a male reader right which this is designed for it's almost like if you feel like kind of a unintelligent but socially awkward nebbish guy who studied abroad or some such right and you come back and it's like it's almost like yeah i could i could land a girl like diane because like, I'm like that guy, too. I got glasses like I'm I'm smart, you know, or what you know what I mean? But I'm not I'm not the best looking guy, but 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 I can still put on a gas mask and kick people's ass or what. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting for me. It, it like it, it it's the opposite of uh, like, well, I don't know if it's the opposite, but it's like it's like a, a weird tweak to that power trip fantasy like if a if a superhero fantasy is a power trip fantasy and you're you know you're vicariously living through whoever it what is you know like you're like i'm captain america i'm thor i'm superman or whatever and 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 you're not it, that that to me is like the the 10 porn star like you're so immersed in it it doesn't matter that you could never i don't know get superpowers or that you're not as good looking as Chris Hemsworth or whatever. You just, you just buy into the whole thing. Kit and caboodle. You're like, yeah, I got a hammer. I kick ass. I can hook up with Jane Foster. Like I'm, I'm the coolest. And you have this, this fantasy. Whereas I think I, I feel like Wesley Dodds in this, the way they've reimagined him, it, it's more of that, you know, Oh no, no, no. Don't put the 10 porn star, like put, put the four porn star in there. So it's, so it's more quote unquote believable. 
like so that my my power trip fantasy is more more quote unquote realistic or whatever. And that's I don't know. That's what was going through through my head when I was reading this today. Yeah, like I I, I agree with you. Like I kind of found Wesley Dobbs like his uh, his portrayal in this at least like <laughs> rather relatable actually because not only like like you said he's got glasses. I mean he's not your traditional like superhero secret identity but like he's a talented writer and like sensitive and shit and like it seems like you know the time setting this is taking place uh, in like it's like men were not expected to be like Mm -hmm. that basically Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah wouldn't it be cool if like you were like this new age sensitive guy like ahead of your time and like you know like no one else like had the had the secret code but you basically but like yeah like that that's pretty cool i mean it's it's the same thing with diane too right like like they it's funny reading about this because like in in certain continuities they say oh yeah well for sure you know wesley dodds and diane they get married and go off and live happily ever after or whatever but then like uh, in some stuff like where they that that's why i kind of describe it as like what if ultimate spider-man was a prequel to the steve ditko stanley spider-man because it's like it's like part of this seems to be like it's vertigo it's its own thing it does technically take place before most golden age sandman stories but it seemed like somewhere along the way they just decided that you know the golden age stuff is pre-crisis and and this sandman mystery theater stuff elements of it that work not the whole thing but elements of it that work can be used in post-crisis continuity kind of like how you know robinson kind of incorporated aspects of like the golden age even though the i i remember we would get into fights about it or what? Well, I don't know if it was like fights, but it was like one of these things where, you know, my buddy read, I said, Oh, you got to read the golden age. It's really, you know, th- there's a book from DC that's really, really good. And, and so he reads it and he's like, Oh, that was an Elseworlds. Right. And I was like, no, like, and to me in my mind, I thought, well, no, it, it's, it gets referenced in Starman, Like it, it, you know, shit that happens in it, like reverberates in current comics. So no, it's not at Elseworlds, but he's like, dude, but fucking Hitler's brain was in this, like, what? Like this can't be real. Like, and I was like, I was like, and then, you know, sometimes like later they would stamp the Elseworlds label on it too. Right. And I, I, I feel like there's that aspect to this, uh, this run, this, this series as well. Cause it's like, it got the vertigo stamp. Technically it was its own thing. And if you look at even like the first like Adventure Comics 40, there's, you know, whatever it is, a 12 page story. I forget how long it is, but it's like Sandman shows up. He's on the case. He fights a dude named the Tarantula. It doesn't turn out to be this kid and a mother doing grisly murders. You know what I mean? It turns out to be some other dipshit and he he clonks him. And and that's the end of, you know, it's it's a Golden Age comic. Right. Like, but. You know, it's funny, like when you read that stuff, because, you know, when when people are trying to make it all fit and make it all work, it's like, you know, this tarantula should not be confused with the Golden Age hero tarantula, nor should it be confused with the tarantula that, you know, Wesley Dodds clobbered in the Golden Age. And you're like, wait, so you're trying to tell me that Wesley Dodds fought like. These serial killers and then a little while later, like a year later, he fought another asshole named the, tri- you know, like, I'm like, no, 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 no. This, this clearly was intended to be a reimagining, you know, an ultimate version, if you will, of the Golden Age Sandman. But it was popular enough and, and loved enough that that eventually it, it sort of started, you know, seeping into, you know, regular continuity, I think. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that, Justin? I just kind of tended to think that like a lot of the pre-crisis stuff, they were picking and choosing what to acknowledge, mm-hmm. this, you know, like as it goes, like it's, you know, it's active continuity. It, it's malleable. It's like, oh, we kind of like this story. So maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll play with that. And then it's like, I think, you know, his like... Um, yellow and purple costume that he switched to in like the golden age like i think that only shows up 
like once. Yeah, and for it's like like, a, like a one issue or something. It, it, it's some kind of. It's like a comic book in universe. Yeah. So it's like that's definitely something they're playing with because I mean he used that for, you know, several years I do believe so. And they do, they reference that in JSA book that was going on, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, kind of like you're saying, it's like, well, I guess if you squint, a lot of these things can work, but then it's like stuff like the costume, we're like, well, that doesn't quite squint. So it's like, okay, well, I guess in order to to solve that problem, you got to pick your poison. It's like maybe, I don't know, that's like one of those like infinite crisis, like, Time yeah, got punched yeah. and messed with things. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or just the whole, you know, oh, it was always Black Canary and the Justice League. And you just, yeah, you just have to, you know, close one of your eyes and not, not look at the Wonder Woman, you know, fighting Star, right? Like, like, cause, cause otherwise that drives you, you know, freaking crazy. It does um, because you're like, okay, this is supposed to be Black Canary, but, but it's, it's Wonder Woman in the Invisible Jet. An invisible jet seems really important to this story. Right, but right. Canary doesn't have an invisible jet, so right, ah, my right, brain hurts. Right, 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 exactly. Like you, you have to imagine some other scenario where yep. Black Canary used her scream that she didn't have, or you know, whatever. Then, then you even get more Looney Tunes with it, or whatever. But like, like that, that, that's the kind of stuff I, I just wanted to illustrate. Like, I'm not. You know, I, I enjoy all this stuff. Like like I agree with you guys. Like the 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 art is certainly atmospheric. I, I found it interesting, like I, I, I don't I don't mean this to come across as derogatory because I agree with you guys. I enjoy the art. I think I think it's very detailed. I think it 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 certainly fits like when they go to the clubs in Harlem, when when you have the grisly murders, when you when you, you know, kind of go from the the mob family to the upper crust, you know, and, and the, the, the sort of like elite charity parties and all this different stuff. But I guess what I was going to say is there, there's an aspect to Guy Davis. And I, 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 I don't just want to say it's his women, because I think in general, we've, we've already sort of covered this, like Wesley Dodds is not, you know, a man's man, you know what I mean? Like, he's not like your atypical guy, but, but I just want to go on to say, like, I don't really think any man in this, I mean, the closest maybe is guys like Burke, like some of these cops or whatever is, is the closest you get to that comic archetype. But even those guys like are nowhere near this kind of idealized super heroic, you know, man that, that we normally get in superhero comics. And I I just say that to say as much as the females in this book, uh, I don't know, are, are, I mean, they're certainly not, not sexualized, but like, I, I guess I just, I, I feel like they all look like the Mona Lisa where like you're told, the Mona Lisa is beautiful, but you kind of look at it and go, well, I don't know. I don't know that the Mona Lisa is a 10. Like, I don't, I don't know. She kind of got a big nose and kind of, you know, whatever. Like, 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 that's how I feel about like all of the, like, like Diane's supposed to be like the love of his life. Right. And, and presumably I can tell this from the story. Catherine's supposed to be hotter than Diane. And she's kind of a little more, loose right like you know as far as that goes right but like i i don't know there's just that aspect where where anytime there's there's a uh you know a, a character that guy davis is is covering whether it's a man or a woman i i i just feel like they're not you know they're they're done in a certain style so they're not they're not done in that kind of idealized kind of style you know so so i kind of in in that sense it does make it more relatable and down to earth but it was just something that you know to me it it does stand out did they ever have this version of sandman like on like you know one of the cw shows or smallville or anything like that Mm, i don't uh, I mean, Smallville, like, like maybe just by the skin of its teeth, like, because 
in in Smallville they have the portrait of all the assholes. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, like, the JSA episode. And 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 there's probably like this one clip as they go around the table, like, oh look, it's the motherfucker in his gas mask. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I don't think, I I, I don't think it was like, you know, like you know somebody got cast as him and, and, and there were actual scenes with them or anything like that. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, but I, I mean, outside of that, that kind of, or even I mean, like star girl, could... you would have imagined he might be referenced on star girl or something. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, cause you, well, I don't know. I don't think so, but I'll look it up. Cause I'm curious. Let's see what it says uh other versions other media so wesley dodd sandman appeared in the smallville two-part episode absolute justice oh portrayed by ken lawson this version was a member of the jsa before it disbanded in the 1970s after having a nightmare about losing his teammate star-spangled kid dodds is killed by the icicle too so like he's he's the very first guy oh yeah, yeah. that's in, right in, yeah. in that smallville episode he makes a non-speaking appearance in the Brave and the Bold episode as a member of the JSA. He makes a non-speaking cameo appearance in the Young Justice episode as a member of the JSA. He appears in the Stargirl pilot episode and was killed by the Injustice Society. So he's one of the poor bastards where I was railing against that show at first because, you know, they, they kill off the fucking JSA at the beginning. And I think he's one of the few characters that you know, I mean, they, they brought back Dr. Midnight. They bring, well, they sort of bring back Starman. You know, they, they bring back, you know, so, some some characters, but uh, not not um, not Wesley Dodds. Yeah, because like I said, I think that's probably why I, I haven't encountered him a whole lot is that he hasn't had a whole lot no, of no, like, cross-media I mean, yeah. promotion. Yeah, yeah re- I mean, really not. I mean, that that's why it's like you can barely remember him in the Smallville thing because he's he's probably an old man and gets killed because, I, I mean, th- at the time, I think that sort of strongly was corporately synergized with the JSA run at the time, because if, if I recall correctly, you know, when, when they were rebranding the JSA, you know, it's like. Wesley Dodds was, you know, one of the first people either killed in Zero Hour or, or in JSA or what. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he was one of the older guys and they couldn't come up with any, you know, cockamamie infinity formula excuse about why, you know, he had no superpowers. Right. They couldn't come up with any excuse of why he should still be around other than, you know, the Morpheus connection, I think, from from Game and Sandman, you know, so. I don't know. I mean, I'm by no means a Wesley Dodds expert, but that's that's kind of my take on it. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you uh, made me read this. I enjoyed it a whole lot, and you know, it it, it fills in a corner of uh, the DC universe that I wasn't very familiar with. So yeah, I wasn't sure if you would like it because I know this is a little outside of your normal like reading habits. But yeah, like I, I, I was going to say, it's like a, it kind of reminded me of like, like I said, a pulpy kind of hero, like, you know, like uh, the question or, uh, mm. you know, someone like that. Like, who just they, walks. They, I mean, they, they make comparisons to that because they're, you know, they they talk about, you know, how he studied abroad and how he's he's leaving the little Blade Runner origami, you know, calls calling cards for everybody and stuff like that. And so people have compared that to at least Danny O'Neill's version of the question, you know, him kind of talking about Eastern philosophy and all of his battles and things like that. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a far cry from the, the, the Ditko question, but, but those parallels between O'Neill's question and, and this mystery theater version of Sandman, like I, I can easily see the connection with something like that. You know, you have any other, I guess I guess we're doing kind of final thoughts at this point. So do you have any final thoughts, Justin? Anything else you want to talk about? One of the other things I love about this story and this series itself is these are not um, Bendis books. Like you can't just like breeze through these mm-hmm. in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Like you actually, there's so many like moving pieces, like not just the story, but there's so many characters and they each have their own 
motives and they're not always entirely clear. They're kind of revealed a little bit in each issue. So you can't just like breeze through it and just like look at the art and I, it, would, it would take you several poos to get through this. <laughs> it would take it would take several for just like one issue. But that's what I like about it. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with the characters, how they interact and relate to each other. There's a lot of layers to everything. Like it's something you actually you have to pay attention to it. Like it's it's not it always irritates me, like when I go to the movies and I see some moron on their cell phone the whole time. I'm like, why are you even here? Like, you didn't even see the movie. Like, why did you pay money to see this movie and you were like on Twitter the whole time or you were on Facebook and you, like, I don't, I don't get that. So you can't just like open the Sandman Mystery Theater and like look at the yard and be like, oh yeah, I get the gist of it. Like, you know, there's some girl got kidnapped or whatever. And I'm like, no, there's a lot more going on than that. Like, you need to. You have to like dig into it. Like I, I kind of feel like this is one of those things. Like this is a book that would like weed out like normie scum. Like they would just kind of look at it, and probably the art maybe would turn them off. Like they might not, you know, this is not typical. Like, like you said, this is not bright superhero colors and things. Like mm-hmm. this might be a turn off too. Like I feel like you give this book to some normie and they just be like, ew. Like I don't. It's ugly. The people are ugly. The colors are ugly and. I don't know what the story's doing, and it's kind of like sadistic in places. Like, ooh, like give me something like a Deadpool or something. Like, I feel like this is like a measuring stick or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of agree. Like that, the the quality is is far superior. I mean, in terms of the writing, in terms of structuring and crafting a mystery like you're you're never going to get any angry rants from me about the mystery in sandman mystery theater it's in the fucking name and it's well done you know what i mean because it's like there there's stuff you know it you know i'm not going to go into it but i mean you know to me the the normie measuring stick like you're talking about deadpool like it's like to me the normie measuring stick are all these dipshits who rave about the fucking long halloween like it's the greatest fucking mystery they've ever fucking read and it's fucking hot garbage compared to this (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, like it's, it's, it's straight up hot fucking garbage. Here's a fucking mystery with two fucking criminals involved, just like the long Halloween written before the fucking long Halloween. And, and, and it's, it's, it's 10 million times fucking better. And it makes actual fucking sense. Right. So anyway, just, just a little rant about that. But, but I mean, as far as like, you know, this particular story i mean i agree with you like the mystery is very well done you know what i mean and and then the the other thing that's interesting is and, and maybe i'll just go through this since i've got some of the pages up in front of me but like they they have all these like trivia pages up on the the dc wiki and stuff where it it goes into like all the historical figures that are either in the story, this arc or referenced, you know, like they talk about Bert Lahr, who was the cowardly lion in Wizard of Oz, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky, you know, uh, you know, obviously famous underworld gangsters, right? Like uh, most people who have seen books and film, you know, on those uh, infamous characters could recognize them. Joe DiMaggio played for the New York Yankees. Uh, Tallulah Bankhead was an actress that was almost Scarlett O'Hara and she was the one who um who plays Black Widow in the the 66 Batman TV series remember the like very doll or whatever like that whole you know Robin fucking she disguises herself as Robin or whatever anyway <laughs> it's it's fucking hilarious yeah. um yeah, and and then uh, William Powell, who uh, who played the Thin Man uh, in the Thin Man films and everything. So like like they have all these these references to like real world, you know, uh, uh, LaGuardia, you know, like the you know before he had a fucking airport named after him, you know, the the the, the commissioners talking to to uh, LaGuardia, you know, uh, on the phone or whatever. So like there's 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 lots of that in addition to. The style of the art, the 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 sort of hyper realism of of the 
the super heroic aspects of this. You know, you, you also throw in, you know, oh, Harlem, oh, you know, uh, LaGuardia, oh, look at all these famous mobsters and actresses and, and, and celebrities of the time. So it, 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 it's, it's almost like watching one of those old WB cartoons, you know, like where Humphrey Bogart was done as a caricature and, you know, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are running around looking at all these, you know, like, like, like a snapshot of it, but like not in a, not in a humorous vein, but like just in a, a way that sort of somehow legitimizes the, the, the way this is a period piece and, and a well done period piece, like that, that it's, you know, researched and, and, and has nice flavors of the era that you, you know, they're, they're going to see, um, uh, Lillian Hellman, you know, the play at the end and all that, stuff, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that kind of stuff that just makes it, you know, of its time and, and, and not in a, like, we're in the eighties, you know, like way it's just, it's kind of subtle, you know, it doesn't like clobber you over the head with it, you know? So I don't know. Anyway, th th those are, I guess, for for final thoughts, like those are, are some of my final thoughts that I, I just think the the period setting and the mystery is is extremely well done. And um, and, and again, this, this this does kind of light a fire under my ass to maybe try and, you know, read the whole series, you know, since since we started. But, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, you know, it, it, it is one of those things where it, it, it definitely is. Uh, if you've never read it, right, it's this kind of definitely an untapped gem, right? Like, like that you can you can kind of uh, uncover, I guess, if it's if it's something you've never checked out before. So I think it's a highly recommended from from all three of us. So if you have any comments, questions and or concerns, if uh, if you do not want to be the tarantula's next victim, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can find all the backlog of episodes of comics. Motherfucker, do you read them over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there, but we can also be streamed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. So until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Mike, and the Sandman's costume is green and purple. Does that mean he's the Green Goblin's cousin? No corners, bro. And this is Justin, signing off.
Wasn't there, uh, what was I going to say? Didn't people say that, like, I forgot if either of you talked about it or listened to it, but didn't they say that, like, that Neil Gaiman, like, Sandman, like, audiobook was really good or something? Or uh, I did say that, and there there have been two of them so far, and they were, like, some, I mean, they're done by the same people who did the, the Nightfall BBC audiobook. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but, yeah. I mean, that's that's my... That's my high bar for for comic book audiobooks. Like I don't really think anything can touch that Nightfall audiobook, but those Sandman ones, like touch. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, just as like a full good. cast and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, um, McAvoy is um, is Morpheus, and um, Justin's girlfriend is uh, Death. Woo-hoo. Um, Cat Cat Dennings, you know, Mew oh, Mew or right. whatever. Like, like it, 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 I mean, it, it's really, really, really fucking good. Yeah, I remember vaguely hearing that. 